Okay, what up, what up, how you doing? Welcome to Nana and the other guys, uh, the podcast that helps us unfigure out adulthood in 30 or so minutes, which usually doesn't happen that way because we love talking and we all know that you need 30, more than 30 or so minutes to unfigure your life out. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. And um, I would like to thank a couple of people, a couple of our international listeners who joined us for the first time last week. I want to give a big shout out first and foremost to my friend Roini Nambia, who is in Singapore, who made a, an absolutely amazing video about us talking about, you know, being 30 and, and being clueless about it. And she made another video, which is going to get me in trouble and I'm going to post it out uh, today. So thanks. Shout out to you, Roini. Shout out to you. Uh, thank you very much. And I'd like to thank, uh, yeah, yeah, everyone who's first time listeners and all, and all the, the good stuff. Um, today I got... Three of my friends, one who's totally new to you, everyone, um, uh, who's going to be a guest I'm going to introduce her last. And I'm going to say, Musa, Musa, how are you doing, man? How, how are you? What's up, man? How's it going? I'm okay. Um, is, is it like a thing to where you're being inside? Do you have like dreadlocks now? Because I know where you do that every time. Okay, it's just an afro. It's fine. Uh, but how are, you, how are you doing? How's, how's being a, an artist during coronavirus? It's, it sucks. It's real. It's okay. horrible. It's because as an artist and theater actor, you need crowds. Okay. And unfortunately, at this moment in time, it's jack like that. So uh, it's tough. Okay, that sucks. I wonder if it sucks as much as uh, as being a resident of Rua. Hey, Rumbi, what do you do? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I don't know what has improved Hi. about Rua so far. You no, know, like, I need to. Yeah. Bam, I need to move. If it's not. You, it's other people saying Rua is terrible. I am done. You know, I, I actually think Rua is a beautiful neighborhood. It's the people who live in Rua, like Rumbi, who make Hello, it bad. I'm good. Can, can wow. you see what? How did see? I make it bad? Like, like, can you see what the network in Rua does? It's wait. just confused. <laughs> and and to, to, today we we have a special. Okay, Rua. Okay, <laughs> we're down with Rua. Okay, Rumi, quiet. <laughs> Today we have a special guest. Oh man! You see, as soon as I start talking about Rua, my English just goes, just just finishes. You know what I mean? Um, today I am we... watching you. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Today we have a special guest who is going to join us for the this first particular segment. Uh, just a bit of context: we met in June two thousand and eighteen at a change maker. Uh, exchange summit as uh, one of those cool things cool people go to when they do cool things so she is a cool person so I was one of the cool people who was with her at that summit where I met a a, a bunch of people from Southern Africa who had started social enterprises and she had her own social enterprise which she she which she is a founder of and we met there we had lots of great conversations about the stuff we're going to talk about today and I am going to let her introduce herself. All I can tell you is she's an amazing young lady, a great uh, change maker in Africa. And sometimes I'm afraid to have conversations with her because I leave there feeling crappy about being a man. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, wow. To my, to my crowd. <laughs> Officially, the person who makes people feel crappy about being men. In a good but, way. But um, yeah. yeah, okay. Um, Hi everyone. Um, yeah, as Ona has already said, my name is Dao. Um, I feel like you've guessed me up quite a lot, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think we, we met in June 2018. And at that time I was a student and 
I had a social enterprise with a couple of my other friends who are also students. So now that I'm not a student anymore, I had to move on to other pastures. And mm. yeah, I am, how would I describe myself? I guess, um, first and foremost, I am a feminist. <laughs> That's one of the first things I say about myself. Um, I am an appreciator of African art, especially literature. And yeah, and I'm happy to be on on this segment. No, I think no, that's no. pretty much it. Shout out to you, Tao. And yeah, she, she's, I think she, she's got a, probably a very big collection of t-shirts written like, I'm a feminist. Like, yes, I do. Yeah, she's got a very, very big collection of those. <laughs> you should send a picture, we should show. Um, I would like to, find, before we get into the conversation today, I'd like to find out what you do uh, for the organization called Pepeta within the SADC. Tell me a little more about that. Yeah, so um, basically Pepeta is a network it was founded by um, an organization called Katswe Sisterhood that's based in Zim. Mm. And um, yeah, Pepeta tries to convene feminists across the region to dialogue, to debate, and to basically try to build a feminist movement um, across the Sadic region. Mm. So I'm with Pepeta Malawi, which mm. is the Malawi branch of the Pepeta Africa movement. And yeah, basically I'm the coordinator for um, the network in Malawi, which is basically trying to build a movement when everybody says we say too much or <laughs> talk too much. So yeah, um, that's pretty much what we do. We save space for feminists. Um, we promote art. So um, yeah, we have a lot of artists. So most of the stuff that we do, we use art. Um, we have community dialogues and yeah, basically I completely love what I do with Pepeta and I think it's a very great place for young feminists to be. It's just a young question. How many do you also have men who work um, in Pepeta? Yeah, no. Pepeta is all women, mm. which is strange. Um, at first, it was strange to only be working with women, mm-hmm. but you get used to it. And there's actually quite a lot of advantages when you're trying to push a movement for women if it's mm-hmm. by women. Right. So there's not a single man in Pepeta unless they come on as allies. So when we have events, they can come on as allies. But otherwise... It's all women. Okay. No, I, I, I totally... Do you guys have any questions for before I get, we get into like the, the, the stuff we want to talk about today? What's that? Be, Sorry, is the, all, is the all women aspect of your organization by choice or by circumstance? By choice. Because um, when it was conceptualized, it was done as a safe space for women. So sometimes mm. it's difficult to have certain conversations um, in the presence of men. So it was conceptualized as just a place where women can come and build a movement that is pushing women's agenda by women. Mm. So yeah, it was conceptualized to be just women. And the name, the, sorry, the name of your, it's Pepeta. Yes, Pepeta. What, what's the, what's the meaning of Pepeta? So the explanation we got. Yeah. Yeah. We got, um, um, Okay. In Malawi, we call it kupeta, you know, um, how would I describe it? The the thing that women do with the winnowing baskets when yeah. they have like... Yeah, like, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. 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 So I think it was, you. they use that name because it's an activity that's primarily done by women. So, mm. and um, in Malawi, um, there's an issue called, it's a thing that women do where they have pounding songs where when you're doing such work, 
You talk about mm-hmm. your experiences as women. So I think mm-hmm. that was how it was conceptualized using that particular concept. That's, that's, that's it's so, I was, was going to say to night and, and it's so similar to Kupepeta. When we say Kupepeta, it's so, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like winnowing, right? Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay. What one of the things I like this one of the things I like about the similarities between Zimbabwe, Malawi, and a lot of other Southern African countries is that we've got shared cultures and customs, and that means we also have mm. shared problems. We've got shared uh, yeah. we've got certain things that are embedded within our culture which are problematic, and we actually want to talk about them today. Now, the reason why I I, I really wanted Tawo to join us is that um, first things first, uh, she's a person who has been involved a lot in the in in the conversations around rape and rape culture. And and when when I when I hit her up over the phone, I was like, it's so sad that it's 2020 and we still have issues of gender-based violence. You know, looking at the recent things that happened in South Africa, you've got we still have conversations about about rape and rape culture that are still happening. And you know, I I I did not want to come into this conversation as a person who knows, right? Because I don't, because I know that in as much as guys get like, you know, people say, oh, guys get raped too, or guys get assaulted too. It's not men who who take up the larger chunk of the people who are affected by the idea of rape and rape culture. And today I really wanted this conversation to be one where we are not throwing, throwing in the whataboutisms. We really want to speak to to men, like I, I, I saw a tweet, and I'm just forgetting who it was. She looked quite a retweeted the person, and a, a, a girl said, "Just the problem is that some guys are just gonna like scroll over this retweet, just this tweet, because you don't want to have that uncomfortable conversation about rape, rape culture, things to do with how us as men and the cultures that we kind of inculcate affect women." And I wanted us to use this platform responsibly because I, as a guy you know, um, could have done something. In fact, I probably have a story to share like later on. But I, I really wanted us to, to, to get into the nitty gritties of, we've got a lot of situations nowadays where you have guys, I don't remember who it was on Twitter, but you've got a, this gentleman was saying, you know, there was a whole thread about how the girl was angry and, and, and she was upset and she, and she kind of exposed him for raping her. And you will put it in quotes because he felt it was consensual. He felt it was okay. Um, and, and, and she is the one who had invited him over. Like these guys were in a relationship and you've always got these blurred lines where guys go like, no, but I didn't know that I was doing that. And, and most guys understand what rape is. Like they think it's always that violent sort of crime, but they don't understand the whole idea of rape culture. Now, Tao, I, I need you to kind of help me first of all, like what's the difference and what, what's the importance what are the differences between the terms of rape and rape culture? And Musa, I'm sure you also want to say something as well. Help just us. Yes, help, help, us. Help, oh, help, help all of us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Could you just kind of help us, us like, like define the differences and why it is important to understand what what is and describe what what which of these things are and why it's important for us to know all that? Yeah, I think the most important thing to note when you try to understand um, what rape culture is, is the word culture. Mm. So I think the best or easiest definition for culture would be a people's way of life or things that people do. So when we talk, so when we talk about rape culture, it's kind of hard to think how can the two concepts, how can rape be a way of life? Mm. But that makes it easier to understand that it's the little things that we do that perpetuate a culture or little behaviors that we exhibit that um, create a culture that puts women at risk, 
that normalizes issues of violence against women and girls, that makes jokes out of issues of violence against women and girls. So all of those little things that we do are all a part of the rape culture. Mm. And um, rape itself is, well, the act of um, sexual violence. Mm. So yeah, there are so many little things that we do that perpetuate rape culture as both men and women. So it's something that we all, we're all um, complicit in. Mm. And I... I, I used to say that um, back in the day when I was in high school and would make jokes about stuff like, oh, this exam raped me. Mm. Like those little things that we don't really think much of are what perpetuate or add on to this monster that is rape culture. So yeah, I think it's easier to understand when we look at it like that. I was having a conversation with my friend recently and he, he brought up a hypothetical statement of, you know, if a girl came over to your house, like it wasn't even about you know, anything crazy. But he said, like, if a girl came over to your house, like, and then this happened. And in my response, I said, uh, like, I think usually questions like that, we end up like, would you smash? Right? Like, th- that's how the question would go. And, you know, we reflected with the guys, like, why are we even thinking about would I, like, why is it even about would I smash? Do you feel like those types of small things where guys bring these hypotheticals in mm. kind of uh, expose or show just how much ingrained we, we, we have of this ownership of we control the sexuality between boys and girls and the situation? Is that something that kind of adds on to rape culture? Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Um, it's these little conversations that we have um, this locker room talk that guys have or, um, yeah, th- that's what makes it easier for um, men to ingrain or to teach things because um, learning is not a conscious process all the time. Mm. So even through those small conversations, you're picking something up. So even if you're making little jokes mm. about um, ownership of women's bodies or women's sexuality, those little things that you think, oh, it's just a joke or we take lightheartedly, Mm. are what is teaching us because we're unconsciously learning something or we're taking on certain Mm. behaviors through the conversations that we have. So yeah, that definitely is another way that we add to um, the rape culture. Um, Women often talk about safe spaces. And uh, I think a lot of us guys feel like a safe space is just, I don't know, uh, I don't know. It's like a place where people can see you or like, it's, it's, what, what does that mean when we say like creating a safe space for women? What, what does that mean in practicality? Like you were in college when we met, what does a safe space mean for a girl in college? What does a safe space mean when you go to a date? What, what how can we know what a safe environment is for women? Yeah. Um, I feel the biggest thing that isn't discussed is boundaries with Mm. people. And that's the easiest way to create a safe space. Um, There is this sort of dynamic that we try to have that um, women are supposed to be elusive or if, for example, if a guy asks you out, um, you can't say yes immediately because you're, you know, you're you're viewed in a certain kind of way. So I feel Mm. like um, when we start having these conversations about boundaries and expectations and whatnot, that leaves little room for error. So for example, if it's a date, um, as much as people say, I say this all the time, but people say it kind of ruins the romance. But if it's a date, I feel we need to start having clear conversations about 
what it is that I'm comfortable with, what I'm not comfortable with. That way I know that um, my partner is aware of this and this is a safe space. Um, you asked about for girls in universities. Um, I think the biggest problem that I had when I was in uni is you couldn't just be a girl on campus. You had to be very careful about a lot of things. Mm. I'm trying to go out and have a drink with my friends. I have to be careful about where I'm going, who I'm with. I have to make sure that I always have my friend around. And I feel like that's problematic. It shouldn't have to be like that. I shouldn't have to worry about where I'm going or if I dress in a certain way and I pass by a certain hostel, then I'm going to get it. So creating a safe space is about looking at these small things that make women uncomfortable or the little things that guys wouldn't normally think about that we always think about. For example, when I'm leaving my house, I have to plan what I'm going to wear according to where I'm going to pass or where I'm going to be. So it's those small things that we need to start like breaking down. And I feel like that's the best way that we can create safe spaces by having honest conversations um, from women's experiences. So hearing from women and saying, this is what makes me uncomfortable and this is what I'm experiencing. So yeah, when we start having those conversations, I feel like that's only when we can create authentic safe spaces. Uh, Just a question on that safe space issue. So you can't, you can't sort of say, okay, just because I know Tao's safe space, I can copy paste that into my next relationship. Mm. So it's you can you say that you have to learn somebody's safe space because one person's threshold is completely different to another person. Just because exactly. one person you could hold their hand doesn't mean you can hold their hand to the next um, relationship. Is that right? Exactly. Because I feel that's precisely what our problem is. We have these assumptions or um, what we think that relationships are supposed to be or how someone is supposed to behave in a relationship. And we forget that people are different. So that's when we leave room for misconception and error. So yeah, exactly what you said. If I was with someone who was okay with me holding their hand, I can't go straight into another relationship and say, oh, I'm going to hold your hand because this is what I do. No, this is a different person. You need to understand how they feel safe or what they're not comfortable with. What are their boundaries? Which I feel like many of us don't have these conversations because like I said, it's not very romantic to be talking about these things. (laughs) Kind of want to let things happen. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Rumi was going to say something. Um, What kind of... The question I've to tell you have talked to a lot of people. You've met with a lot of young men and women, and you know sometimes in Africa we've we've got this. When I've had these conversations, you often hear girls say African men are quite unrepentant of the type of behaviors that they do. They are quite unrepentant. They don't know how to make women feel safe. They always want to feel like they own the women's sexuality. They objectify women and all that. And and whilst I I hate generalizing to say African men because the issue of unsafe spaces for women is universal. There is definitely something about it that that makes us as African men uh, feel like we are the biggest perpetrators of that particular type of behavior. Now, in your experience talking to men, what type of pushback do you get when you start trying to deconstruct the ideas of rape culture to, 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 to the young men and the, and the black boys and you know, the young men in Africa, like you know, the black men in Africa? What type of pushback do you kind of hear and how do you respond to that type of pushback? Oh, I mean, 
this is the most exhausting part about having these conversations. Mm. I remember, was it last year? Um, you and women had organized something for university students to kind of like bridge that gap so that, um, men and women can start having these uncomfortable conversations. So it was kind of like we were all brought in, we sat in a circle and everybody's sharing their experiences. And all of a sudden someone says something insensitive and it just escalated. It just literally snowballed from there. And people started saying stuff like, oh, women are asking to be raped by the way they dress. Someone had pointed out something that someone in the room was wearing. So it immediately went from, being a safe space to not being a safe space. And as soon as we called it out, it seemed as if all the other men who were in the room came to this person's defense. And it was kind of weird because some of the guys I had met and I knew them personally and I'd had conversations with them and I didn't think that they thought like that. So then when I go back and I ask the question, I didn't know that you think like this. And it just became like some sort of defense mechanism, like automatic that someone didn't even think about it. As soon as we called someone out for something, everybody else came and, you know, we're trying to defend them. So that's the biggest thing, the pushback. It's not just one man. It's when you point out the behavior of one person, every it's like a crime against man folk as if all men have been, have been disgraced. So all of them come and, you know, they lash out and say, you know, a lot of things. So that's one of the biggest problems. And the other thing is, um, I think empathy is one of the most difficult things that we, I found when we try to have these conversations, when you say, put yourself in this person's shoes to really understand how violence or sexual assault affects women. And people are just showing that they have no capability to do such. So I feel like, we get a lot of pushback. Either people don't want to have these conversations at all, or they take them in a very personal way. They get personally offended and say, um, make it about them. Oh, I've never done this. So um, that means you women are lying. No, but I feel like if we just, <sighs> that's just the problem. There's just always that I can really defense. feel you getting exhausted. <laughs> like, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw exhausting. in, I'm going to throw in a question. Okay. Okay, Musa, go, go. Um, just to go back to that example you gave of that uh, seminar, was student campus seminar thing where the men got all offended. Do you think such a behavior like that tends to come from a place of camaraderie? Like, for example, mm. if you are seen, like, for example, or I, maybe you can also help me out in this, mm. in, in boy culture, Mm. basically, like, if you are seen by your fellow brothers that you are not saying anything, you get called out for it. And sometimes you are scared that, okay, not necessarily scared, but you are scared, you are sort of uh, wanting to avoid that peer pressure of being asked, oh, so you are on the side of women now, or because you kept quiet, or you didn't defend your, uh, your fellow Africans. So do you think some of the major problems um, that are there is the fact that there is sort of like a a mentality of between mm-hmm. African men that there has to be that you know what every man has to protect the other men if they are in if they're in that situation. I don't know if I'm explaining or answering yeah, asking that yeah. yeah. I think yeah. 
I think it's this sort of in-group mentality that, yeah, that it's observable with men, um, especially on campuses. Um, there is cliques, people have cliques by hostels and whatnot, and they have this sort of loyalty to the group that I guess, yeah, if you're seen as not defending, then it's kind of like you're going against the group. And I also feel like um, the issue is also in how men's masculinities are constructed around that, around defending the masculinity. So if you're having a conversation that kind of challenges that, it's automatic defense. Oh no, you're, you know, you're, you're threatening my masculinity. So I feel like it's, yes, it's a matter of the bonds that men tend to create together, the, as you said, camaraderie, and also with basically like um, protecting masculinity from an attack. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's both ways. I've observed it in both ways. I'm going to, this thing is just about to wrap up. So I'm going to send you another link so we can continue in a second. I want to ask a question, which is going to sound like a mansplaining, but I feel like it, it might bring some nuance in the conversation. So you're going to hate me for a second because I'm going to be very exhausting about the question that I'm going to ask. So yeah, as soon as that happens, it's probably going to take a minute. So I'm going to send it to your WhatsApp or email to re-invite you into another one. But thank you so much. All that, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm just like waiting for the time to run down because <laughs> I don't want to ask the question now. Yeah. Okay. So, so this question I have is on like, you have lots of guys who say this and I think that it is wrong. It is, uh, I felt she was looking sexy or she was dressed in a way that was asking for it. Now, I, I once went on this like mental rabbit hole to think about the idea of uh, the expression of sexuality because we, like a lot of women say like, you know, I dress this way because I want to express my se- sexuality. It's, it's, it's who I am. I want to feel great. You know, this is what I want to look like. Now, when you express something, you express something, it is going to be perceived. It's going to be looked at. People are going to express it. And usually sometimes, not all, expressions usually come with reactions and sometimes you've got the very incorrect reactions that men have when you've expressed your sexuality. Now, I am a guy. So one of those things that I know and understand about being a guy is we notice expressed sexuality quite easy. And unfortunately, we react to it very badly, right? Like we, us guys are the type of guys when, I'm not saying me, but I have been within groups of people when you see a girl pass by, you'll be like, oh, look at that. Like, it's something that we do. It's ingrained. We, it's on Instagram. It's, it's sometimes sold as a way to capture our attention and everything. Now, this does not um, say mm. that we should be reacting in any sort of way. Now, the question I have to you, Tao, and I'm going to ask this as if, you know, I'm going to ask this as if, I want you to address it as a guy who feels like he's entitled, but wants to relearn um, all this, how am I supposed to react to expressed sexuality from a girl, a girl who is looking sexy? How, what is my reaction supposed to be as a guy? What type of reaction do women want us guys to have to expressed sexuality, to, to a signaling that we, for our own reasons, for the society that we live in, have seen? How are we supposed to react to it or respond to it? Mm-hmm. That's actually a very interesting question. Um, so first of all, unpopular opinion. Um, people think women don't have similar reactions. I, I am always on the forefront of saying we women are very visual as well. 
Mm. We see something, we like it. I mean, <laughs> we are also very visual and we react to, as you said, expressed sexuality as well. Mm. I think the problem comes in on the rules that society has put in place for men and women on how they react to that. So the problem isn't noticing. We all notice and it's, you can't, you can't exactly blame someone for noticing that or being attracted to something that you're wearing or Mm. the way you look, you can't blame someone for that. The way you react is the problem. I feel like we have different social contracts for behavior that is deemed acceptable for men and behavior that's deemed acceptable for women. Mm. So even if I, as a woman, find you very, very attractive, it would be socially weird for me to behave the way men do, for me to catcall you and say, oh, wow, you know, to express it in that way. So I feel, um, I would say um, it's a matter of not giving people unsolicited compliments <laughs> when it comes to like catcalling and people reacting to the way you're dressing. People like to give unsolicited compliments. If someone hasn't asked for it, don't give it. Because I feel like that's the rule that we live by. Me personally, I will see someone, maybe I'm attracted to the way they look. I'm not going to go and give them any unsolicited comments because that's not the way my social contract is set up. So I feel like it's a matter of the responsibility has been removed from men for so long that um, you need to be responsible for the way you react to women or women's bodies, women's sexuality. And I think what the conversations that we need to start having with men is how to be more responsible about it. So it's not, we're not saying don't be attracted to people, but be responsible with the way you react. If someone hasn't asked you for a compliment or hasn't solicited your opinion, don't give it. Just don't give it. So yeah, I think that's what I would say. So, so is, it, is, it, is, it, is it kind of rape culture when I see you, like right now, just before we started the show, I was like, oh, look at you and you hit rap. It looks amazing. Is, is, you did not ask for it. Is, is that kind of overstepping my boundaries as a guy? If I see you pass by, we, we've got lots of people who made through being uh, hit on on the street, on the road. Yeah. Right? Like you, is, is, is that perpetuating rape culture? Are we, um, do we need to rethink how that all works out? And do you feel like... Yeah, I mean, that's when it becomes complicated. <laughs> that's when it becomes complicated. Because um, you can't exactly ask someone, can I give you a compliment? Mm. Comes off as a little creepy. But it's. <laughs> I feel like it's a matter of knowing the quality of what you're about to say. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. There's, right. there's a difference with someone saying, oh, you look nice. I like your head wrap or it's it's okay but someone comes and says oh wow that ass though you know Mm. it's it's a it's the quality of what you say we need to be responsible about what we say or how we say it so 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 what you're basically saying is the it's the after seeing whatever you've seen it's the reaction of it exactly so so yeah so for example if i'm seeing you know a, a nice chick, and I say, like, damn, look at that ass, though. And like, yo, what's up, what's up, whatever. It's not really okay, but if mm-hmm. I say, it, it's, it's in the way that I approach the situation. That, that, that's, that's the way the crux of the matter is. Is that what you're yeah. saying? The way that I approach yeah. the situation. Uh, uh, not rather, um, what am I trying to say? Rather than... Um, uh, what my mind is thinking. So I should 
process what my mind is thinking first and how that person could perpetuate what I'm trying to say and, yes. and be more respectful, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I guess, yeah, I think it's all comes down to being mindful because women right. have said it time and time and time again. We don't like it when this this is done. But people are not mindful about these conversations that women are blatantly... Women are saying it. We don't like it when you do this. And yeah. people seem to be ignoring that and leading with whatever comes to mind. Be mindful about it. I mean, if you're trying to approach someone, be yeah. like, think about it first. Don't be reactionary think about it and then make sure like should i really be saying this right now is right. should this be said by me right now and yeah i feel like i feel like that's that's where we need to start oh yeah well, rumbi 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 we have been very quiet <laughs> like and and i think musa and here I, I musa and i are here to learn today so it's like it, and it's a conversation i want to have that's rumbi, why i've been quiet now we want to learn from you, Rumbi. <laughs> <laughs> it, trust me. Okay. Uh, what did you want to ask? No, I was, I was, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you two ladies. Um, I'm first. I'm gonna give you a situation. I want to get into this idea of having uncomfortable conversations, and I'm gonna start with a with something that once happened to me. Now, 2017, and this is now. I want you to give you the context, especially because I feel like lots of guys who are perpetrators of violent, rapey deeds, like rape, rape culture, and rape itself, we know them, we see them, and and we like ostracize them, and at least we should. But I think most of these conversations is because there's there's so many blurred lines now. I feel like one of the things I want guys to start saying is asking the question, have I ever made you uncomfortable? Now, I, I say this because I feel like every guy should ask that off to any girl that he has ever been intimate with. He is close to girls who are his friends, people who are just in his friend circle. And, and, I, and, and I just want to find out your response to this particular situation that I was in Tao. Now, Onai is... Like I am the tree hugger, uh, ally, feminist type guy who who is does not like who's not so huggy and because I like making sure that girls' spaces are protected and whatever. But this is what I once did. There was this one time, this girl that I fell deeply in love with, right? And uh, here we were, and and we were courting, I guess, courting in a way. And I talked to one of my friends. I'm like, yo, I really wanted to let her know because I, I was in that situation where you do, where you feel like you don't think the girl knows what you want because you've been acting like a really great friend. And I was having conversations with, with one of my guys, and he was like, you know what? Why don't you um why don't you maybe I don't know let her know, express it somehow. You know, you could just kiss her, right? Like you just kiss her, like you. Yeah, you know, and then I'm like, mm, me. you know, it's it's really not one of the things that I do, like it's out the back kiss, but it's sometimes in a romantic sense when you see it, how it's written in the novels and the movies, people are courting, and then one time there's this moment and this magical moment, they draw close to each other and they kiss, and it's one of those, you know, Tao, you've seen that happen, um, Rumbi, you've seen that happen, Musa, you've seen this happen. I don't know how it's ever played out in your life, but so this is then what happened to me. This one day, I'm I'm with this girl in the evening. The, the stars are out. There's like nice, beautiful lighting around. We were just sitting. Um, I got on the right type of cologne. I was smelling great. I think I was looking well. She was looking amazing. This is the girl who is the girl of my dreams. And she's right there. And, you know, 
this is a girl who even before we had been we had started going physically closer so like maybe we'd go on a date and we'd be leaning into each other and you know all these things all different sort of small things which kind of the two of us were both doing so I approached this girl I could I, I literally remember there was the, 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 the light reflecting in her eye and I moved closer to her like in this romantic moment and as I got closer to her she just stepped back. Now, the thing, one of the things I really liked about this girl, she was goofy as hell, right? So she just started stepping back and started like dancing around. I'm like, okay, what's this? Right? And like moved a little closer again and she did that thing again. I'm like, okay. So I literally like, okay, this girl is running away and I thought she was just kind of making a joke and she kind of felt like the space was awkward. Fast forward. So I, I didn't, I just dropped that whole idea there and then. Fast forward when this girl and I actually started dating. This is like, you know, we're now dating boyfriend, girlfriend. And then we had a conversation about that. And she was like, do you know that that day you made me feel very uncomfortable? I was like, what, me? That was uncomfortable, right? And I realized, oh my gosh, I literally created an unsafe space for a girl. Like, that was it. I felt very awful about that. Now, do you feel like we as guys, or do you feel like women express enough how uncomfortable they are making girls and you know i i i you you have girls sometimes guys like oh she was smiling and then sometimes in rape cases you're like no but she 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 got you know all these things but like you know the her body reacted in a way that a girl who is being raped would not react like whilst they don't know that the biology and the mind especially when it comes to that really traumatic moment of rape it doesn't make any sense do you, how do you respond to the good guys how do you respond to what are the good guys supposed to know about when a girl is uncomfortable? What are some of these signs that we are missing when a girl is uncomfortable? Either the things we say or the things we do. I mean, both Rumbi and 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 so and and how what are some of those things? Especially to the good guys, like quote unquote. Hmm. I feel like that's precisely the problem. Okay, the way we've been socialized as men and as women, it's women we're not supposed to express verbally and men are the ones who are outgoing. So it now things, that's what tends to blur the lines. I feel like, like I said before, it's not very romantic or very attractive, but we need to start having more like blunt conversations about these things. Um, I think there's a term that we use called enthusiastic sober consent. Mm. So for everything, you need to obtain enthusiastic sober consent. So if it's not a verbal yes, then assume that consent hasn't been given. Mm. So I mean, it's not sexy, it's not romantic, but with the way things are and the way times are and how... um, it's so easy, like like you've just explained, you didn't know that you had created an unsafe space. Mm. It's so easy to cross that line, which is why I feel like we should start having these conversations in a more open way. It's hard. I mean, it goes against how we've been socialized, um, especially girls who are socialized to be shy, we're socialized to be, um, to say less and to not be as verbal or outgoing or aggressive as guys but this is something that we need to start unlearning so mm. it's a it's a process of an, a conscious unlearning so for me which is something that i'm also trying to unlearn um 
if I'm uncomfortable with something, I'm trying to learn how to verbalize it as opposed to giving signs. Because I can't expect someone to read signs. Um, it A lot can get lost in translation. So yeah, it's a matter of consciously learning and unlearning certain things that we were socialized to do and not do. Do you so? Do you also kind of feel like it's something that uh, I hate to say that girls now have to also do to like sort of unlearn the culture of silence and learn the culture of speaking from regardless. Like, is do you do you feel like it's a the responsibility of girls as well? Yeah, precisely. I think it's the responsibility of one parents with the way we bring up the next generation of girls mm. to not yeah. keep perpetuating this culture of silence because that's what has kept this conversation on rape culture going on for so many years because there's this culture of silence that girls are brought up in. So yeah, it's a matter of one, how we raise girls that are coming and um, the next generation of women. And two, it's a matter of us older people to start unlearning certain things because like I said, I used to be a very shy person. So trying to learn how to verbalize has been difficult, but it's a necessary thing. It's uncomfortable. We've been socialized to think or do these things since we were kids. Like since we were babies, we've been socialized to behave in a certain way. So it's hard to now start unlearning things that you've known your whole life. So yeah, I think it's also now the responsibility of women as well to learn to speak out as opposed to being silent. Thanks. I uh, appreciate that. Okay, so... Um Here's my question. Um, um, let's say you've got your, you've got this enthusiastic, sober consent. I like that right? word. I like that phrase. It, it's a fantastic, eh? it's a fantastic enthusiastic, phrase. sober consent, right? Mm. You've got it. You're doing the deed. You're doing the deed, or not doing the deed, but you're almost getting to the point where literally you're like millimeters away from doing the deed. And then you change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the stop? That's that's literally like handbrake, emergency brake, stop everything. Right? Yeah. Okay. People don't, yeah. Consent can be withdrawn. So even if, you know, I said yes to something, I can always say, I'm not comfortable anymore. Let's stop. So yeah, people can and should withdraw consent if they're uncomfortable. Mm. And I think I think one of the, one of the things that guys find the hardest to think about, like no, but we were doing it, we do it all the time, and then, like, I think us guys need to understand, even though she said yes five minutes ago, yes. she can say no now. Yeah. yeah. Um. That's good. Mona Lisa just joined us, and thank you. Hi, Mona. How are you doing? Um. No, we, we've been having conversations about consent and, and we're just about to move to the next part of the conversation. And, and I'd hope as women and as ladies, you could just help us out. Now, I want to get to this uh, idea of enablers and the loud silence that guys have. You've got, you've always got uh, the, the, our, our, our women and our sisters and our mothers telling us, guys are too silent. You guys are not acting, right? You guys are not saying anything and your silence is loud. When women and people say that, what do you want us to do? Like, I know I, I'm asking this as if it's, but when you say like, you guys, your silence is loud. You guys are enabling. What does that word mean? Mona Lisa, I don't know if you've, if you've had that circumstance. What do you mean by us guys who enable rape culture? Wow, that's a, 
first of all, this chat room is really tense and deep, and I'm supposing it's because of the topic at hand. Mm. Um, mm. When we say you guys are enabling, um, I've been part of conversations where men sort of kind of talk about rape, but not in a manner that stops rape. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's it's more, they talk about it as if it's not rape. So, it'll be like, yeah, and then it's, it's the, the response from the men that will be around is not, man, that's not cool. No, it's a laugh and a ha-ha and a high five. Mm. Or when a woman comes to you and says, I don't feel comfortable with your friend. He gives you this looks and you say, nah, that's just who he is. Okay. Do you understand? Right. Mm. So it's those social cues that men seem to miss about their friends who are very predatory and rapey and, and things that we deem as kind of normal for guys to do and say that makes women unsafe and be in a precarious position. I've been in social situations where a guy I've never met will come through and say, oh, hi, what's your name? And I go, Mona, and they come in for a hug. Mm. And all the men around seem to think I'm comfortable with that. And I'm like, eh, but <laughs> I don't know you. And they're like, I'll lighten up, man. It's just a hug. Mm. If you are willing, sorry, go I think one, I think one of the biggest fears for men in those instances, what I'm seeing a lot of these days, especially on Twitter, is being labeled as a simp. Okay. And a simp is, and one of the biggest things about being labeled as a simp is that you are, I, I'm still trying to get to terms with what a simp really is. But it seems like it's always labeled as somebody who is um, supporting it of a woman in question at, at that particular time. So, for example, if I was there when Mona had this uncomfortable situation mm. um, and I'd said, dude, that's not cool, the men in that situation would have probably called me a simp because, oh, you are not maybe living up to the guy code of things mm. or you are doing this. And sometimes I've done, I've been in situations when I've, when I've done that. And then you get people say, dude, she's not going to sleep with you. Or dude, she's not going to, 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 to go out with you. To get what I mean? Just because mm. I supported mm. that woman in that instance. So you get situations where you get, you start getting labeled as a lesser man because of, the defensive stance of, you've taken of being, of being in yeah. the woman. Yeah. So now I think what happens is if you're not of a strong mindset as a man to do that, you shy away because you don't want to be labeled as a simp, as a lesser man, according to your peers. You get what I mean? I a, so maybe sometimes that's, yeah. Yeah, I have a question. Mm. As, as men, if you have a girl who's uncomfortable in a situation like that, and then it later turns out she gets with the guy, but not willingly, how do you guys feel about that? Do you guys ever say, oh man, I could have, or do you be like, eh, she probably wanted it anyway. It's, she was playing hard to get. That, does it ever occur to you guys that 
it it wasn't okay. I think to be quite honest, the the hard thing to do. It, it, it's, it's 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 you are right, and I feel like one of the things that is very difficult to do. I, I remember one, and I don't I don't want to say this like I'm trying to be a hero or anything, but I do remember this one mm. time I was at this event and we had a very popular person in Harare and you had girls dancing. You go to this like work thing, and the girls started dancing. They had they were having fun. They were dancing, and you know they were popping it, you know twerking and doing all that stuff. And I saw a guy holding up his phone recording. Now, that made me feel very uncomfortable. Like, it made me feel very, like, why is this guy recording this girl dancing? And this girl doesn't know that she's being recorded. Tawo, if I'm not right, that is rape. That is rape culture, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. And and I, I remember, like, that was the one time that I went straight to the guy. Because the guy was, a, was, like, a younger. He was a younger dude. Too. He was younger than me. He's, like, 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 an intern or something. So I ran up to him, like, and I just kind of, like, kind of pushed him away like yo 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 stop stop doing that to be quite honest um i think that was an extenuating circumstance where it, it was very open that i feel like any girl would be uncomfortable with having her pictures go on social media that oh look at the way the girl is dancing uh and, and of course guys would you want to use that to shame them because i'm like why are you taking those videos why are you taking like your phone to, to take a girl a video of her dancing it's it looks wrong to be quite honest, I, I don't think we think about it as much, Mona. And I feel like it's something that we need to start thinking about. Because like Musa said, I feel like we are just timid or afraid of just knocking it out. And I feel like some of the people that we, we praise have not mentioned it, it enough that that's a good thing to do. It is not fashionable. It has not yet become fashionable and I feel I say this to be not a because, knight in shining to be armor. a knight in shining armor. It 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 it's not something that you know is is a great thing. There was this video that once went out of this guy who was drunk, and there were girls in a car. I guys from social media, like you probably saw it when the guy was like, "No, nah, no, nah, if these girls didn't want to party, they shouldn't have been here. We'll we'll go and get some other girls." Right? Yeah, yeah, I remember, remember that video? Yeah. And I did yeah, not see any yeah. guys kind of stopping that guy. And I think it's fear. I think it's fear, and I feel like. When I saw that video, you, you everyone says everyone has got that one friend who does that, and I feel like the answer, yeah, and like, I feel like the answer not, to it is, is is starting to call out our friends on that behavior, and not just calling them out, but we need to start stop. We need to stop hanging out with them. I don't know if that's even possible, but because sometimes it might be your brother who does it, and someone will say, "Are you going to choose your brother over this girl?" You know what I mean? Sometimes I, it might be your hmm. boss. Sometimes it might be your boss is doing it, right? And and it's, you know, it's, it's yeah. yeah. Ultimately, you know what it is mm. to get to the root of the situation, like that video you just spoke about, is getting an out. I don't like to use the term, but it's a real thing. Getting the alpha male to call out these things, because once you get the alpha male within the yeah. specific group to call out certain things, like that guy who was just like, yo, no, no, if they didn't want to be here, then they should just go back home and to get all the girls. If you get that guy to be the one calling out the dudes and say, big dudes, we're not here for that. We are here to have fun. You shouldn't be doing these things. The girls are here to have fun as well. Mm. Give them be. If we start getting the alpha males in those group situations, 
being the ones leading the conversation, then perhaps we can get somewhere. That's that's my thing. Yeah. Because what's the scariest bit is going up against that guy who's <laughs> who's rallying that, that's the, I, the ability to yeah. But who's going to tell the alpha male to tell his pack to simmer down? I think who's going not- to tell no, like I feel like that's now one of those things that us guys just need to become a lot more assertive about. Yeah. Like we can't because as about to say, you know, uh guys are yeah. driven by what girls mm. desire. And I don't know why, for some strange reason, when girls have been complaining, they say a real guy is a guy who asks for consent, a real guy is a guy, but it's just the one thing that guys just seem not to want to do. I feel like it's some sort of, you know, like I, I don't get it. And, 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 and I want to be part of the culture that undoes that sort of thing. I don't know, Tawo, do you also have a comment to this particular conundrum? Um, yeah, I think all I can say is if you're silent, you're complicit. Mm. So even if you're not perpetrating these things, even if you're not going out and victimizing women, if you're silent, you're complicit. So mm. I think I had this conversation with my brother. Um, he had mentioned um, a very like, uh, he was explaining a situation that made me very uncomfortable about an older, a much, much older guy who likes to take a little girl who's about six or five, put her on his lap and say some very inappropriate things. And he's telling me these things like, oh, this is so wrong that this guy does this and whatnot. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's wrong. Have you ever called it out? Have you ever told this guy, why are you doing this? Or told this child's mother that I don't think it's okay for your child to be around this man. And he hadn't. So the fact that he hadn't said anything, and I'm guessing this man is still probably doing those inappropriate things to that little girl. It means he's complicit because he could have said something and he could have put a stop to whatever it is that was happening, but he didn't. So he's complicit in it. If we're going to attack something as massive as rape culture and the pandem- the problem of violence against women and girls, it would need men to speak out. It would need men to actually take it as a men's issue and not just a women's issue. So yeah, I feel like that's the biggest problem. Men say, as long as I'm not doing it, it's fine. But no, if you're silent... You're complicit. So it's, I'm getting like it's not enough to see it; you have to say it. You know, like that, exactly. I'm kind of getting that that thing. Um, before we go, like uh, before I let you go, the last question I I probably have is uh, the last round of questions is, um, what should I do as a guy when a girl comes to me and tells me either that she has been sexually assaulted, or when you yeah, especially when a girl tells you that she's been sexually assaulted or or she you realize that she she's expressing something that happened. So how 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 is this modern society supposed to react to it? Not in a general way, but in an actual specific way. Ladies, I I I, I want your range of answers. Ruby is I think I don't know if a network is is a little better now, Ruby. I don't know. You good over there? I'm good. Like, how are we supposed to react when, when, when a girl tells us that she has been sexually assaulted or she's been a victim of the rape culture? Well, first of all, like, empathize with her. And that's one thing that men don't do. I don't know why. I don't know if you're not um, built that way. 
But it's a case of most probably you're going to ask me, what were you doing there? Mm. What happened for you to be in that situation? Try and understand it from my point of view that this actually happened to me. Then obviously we now have, if it's a sexual assault, then you ask further questions and then take someone to the clinic. That is if that's the case in that case. But when it comes to rape culture, I think it's a case of now if I come to you or I, mm. please don't question me that uh, point questions is me that make me think like I am in the wrong because that then shuts me down. Mm. And then when I'm shut down, then that's it. The person goes squat free, does it to the next person and it just goes in on and on and on. So I shouldn't, I shouldn't ask questions like, why were you even going out in the evening? Or why were you even like, that's a wrong approach to it. Exactly. Yeah. Or why were you going to this house? Can, can, you, can, you just, can, can, can you just ask, ask that again? I think the line was a little bad. happened? I can explain exactly what happened. And then you try and empathize with me and say, you know what, this was not something. I would say, uh, don't ask me in a way that you make me the, I don't know, the person who was looking for this. Mm -hmm. Like, why were you going to his house? Mm -hmm. What were you doing there? Something Mm -hmm. like that. Don't put those life on questions because sometimes as a person who's gone through trauma, you then, you start thinking, okay, that person is now against me to another topic. Okay. And, and I think, I think men need to realize that by the time I'm telling you, I have already sat down in my head and had the conversation and all the, the things that I did wrong already. I already know where I saw and where I felt red flags, and I already know what exactly happened. And somewhere, somewhere already, because of how society is structured, I already kind of blame myself already. So you confirming that by asking me questions like, why were you drinking? Just further adds to the trauma and makes me like, oh, fuck, it was just my fault. Sorry, guys, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. But so, so when you say empathize as well, I'm not saying... Because we do have cases. Wow, I'm about to jump in and say this. We do have cases of accusations. So when you're empathizing, try to get your information without blaming me, but also without feeding um, the flames to a fire that's non-existent. Mm. So make sure when you're asking me, get the facts of what happened, without making the, 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 the girl feel like it was on her, but also try to establish exactly what the full picture. And then be emotionally there. I know almost every man knows be there in 72 hours at the hospital, follow, go with her to the police, follow up. But there's also the emotional aspect of it that, that needs to be attended to. Follow up, call me up. If I'm constantly in the circle of this person, do you need me to go with you to work? Do you need me to do this? Make sure that uh, I know that you are actually there. 
and it's 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 helping me break the news to somebody. Do it, mm. you know. Tawo. Sometimes we just need someone to go and raise the person just to go like, just you know, grab a few collars, break a few bottles. But you know, it's it's real discretion. <laughs> Tao, do you also share the same sentiments as well? I mean, yeah, I think I pretty much feel the same way. Um, and I guess one of the most important things that I would add is if I'm coming to you to tell you something, um, make our conversation a safe space. I think that's basically wrapping up everything. Like, don't put me through further victimization or trauma by the way you speak or, and sometimes you just want someone to listen. I don't, I mean, there's this thing that men are expected to always provide solutions to something, but sometimes you don't need to provide a solution. You just need to listen. So I feel like that most importantly, listen and don't, um, don't make it seem like, don't trivialize the issue. Don't make it seem like it's something small. But at the same time, don't make it seem like, oh my gosh, this is such a tragedy. Wow, this is so bad. This is so bad. I'm pretty sure she knows this is bad, but you don't have to do that. So just make the conversation, make the interaction a safe space. That's all I would say. Oh, well, I would love to thank you so much for joining us. Um, these are conversations that I, con- I constantly want to have. We've just tipped the bit. I, and I want people who are part of the 909, the other guy's family, part of the Capital 263 family to be people who create this safe space for women and men. But right now I'm talking about women. Right now it's women's lives matter. Right now it's, it's, it's not about us guys. And, and I, just, I just want everyone. And I think, I think one of my greatest takeaways is that each and every guy has got the potential to create an unsafe space. Um, and each and every guy needs to start looking at it. And um, I really want this conversation to go on in the comments and stuff. Tao, I would love you to kind of give us your final take on everything and also where people can get in touch with you uh, before I let you go because I know you're a really busy girl and stuff. Um, yeah. And, and again, thank you, by the way. Um, yeah, thank you guys for having me. Um, it's a great conversation. Um, usually when I have these conversations, I come out, quite upset and angry and this hasn't happened today. So (laughs) successful. It's been a very successful conversation. Um, I think the only thing that I would have to add is that, um, is we can't be waiting for something to happen to have these conversations. Mm. This is something that we can take up with our friends in our circles. We don't have to wait for a case or for something to happen for us to talk about this, which is the trend that usually happens. We wait until, um, there's a big media case and then that's when we jump in and everybody's all about rape and rape culture or we wait until it's 16 days of activism against gender-based violence and suddenly everybody wants to have these conversations. I feel like if we're really going to attack the problem of rape culture, then this needs to be a consistent process of learning and unlearning and having conversations. So yeah, um, I hope this um, is not the last such conversation, but yeah, thank you guys for having me. Where can people get in touch with you, Tao? If you want people to get in touch with you. Um, yeah, my, I am on Facebook. Um, I'm one of those old timers who is not on Twitter because Twitter gives me stress. So yeah, people can get in touch with me on Facebook. Um, I'm on my, you can find me as Tao Sawyer or um, yeah, or in any of the pages. You can also get in touch with me through Pepeta pages. So Pepeta Africa, Pepeta Malawi, Twitter, and yeah. 
I'm always here to have these conversations. Thanks a lot. Really, really do appreciate you. And we'll make sure that these social media handles will be part of the episode um, synopsis that you'll see wherever you download. Thank you very much. And thank you for coming through, Tao. You're a hero. Win. Hero win. Hero. Okay. <laughs> Before I hit record, I was like, Musa, close down the last segment. Because I'm trying to have all the other guys be people who are who can other guy who can be the nine or nine. Musa, oh my gosh. I, I don't like being the other guy. Please. Or, or being the or nine. Because <laughs> anyway, oh let me do it since you put it, put me on the on the on the blaster. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Yes. So, thank you, Tao, for that previous segment. Um, I'm not good with segues, um, but we're going to go into an interesting discussion about Lola, um, aka Aurora, <laughs> which has been quite a heated debate on the Twitter streets, on the WhatsApp groups. Uh, I know Cashbid and I had a had a good discussion if I can put it that way, on our WhatsApp group. Um, but yeah, so um, let's talk about the legislature. What did you guys think of the legislature? And I, I know you are more versed than I am because you like reading. Wait, um, so first of all, sorry. Yes, go. Before he gives, he gives us what he thinks about it, what exactly does it say? Because I feel like a lot of people are interpreting it their own way. Okay, so I'm yes, going to give you a backstory. I'm going to give you a backstory. We've got an international audience, guys, so some people don't understand. In right. my country, right, in my country called Zimbabwe and most Southern African countries, uh, marriage usually happens this way, and it, and it happened that way. We've got that bridal price. I know in many other pe- places in the world, it's there. One of the things that we do is oh, a bridal or a dowry. A bridal price, a dowry <laughs> is paid to a family in Africa, in, in, in Zimbabwe, it's the guy who goes and pays a particular amount of something. So back in the day, you would go with a hoe or, 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 or just grain or, and then cows. And, and these would, the amount and numbers would be dictated by the family. And one of the things we have to note is that each and every cow had a specific reason. There was always a reason why that particular cow was wanted. Sometimes the cow was for the, for the mom. Sometimes the cow was uh, for virginity. Some people say sometimes the cow was for what their dad had done. Like there's so many different things to it. Now, fast forward to hmm. the times that we have now where we no longer use like that, that, that specific system in its original way. People pay money. People go, Mona Lisa's got a dude. He says he wants to marry. They go to that family and the parents or the people from that family dictate what they want from the guy who's going to marry the girl, right? Now, obviously, how it is now is that some of these people started charging exorbitantly high. Uh, So sometimes you would say, uh, you go to want to marry a girl and it costs 25,000 US dollars just to be able to marry the girl. Now, the problem was that you've now got the the Christian culture within our society where, first of all, there is some families say, we want you to pay the bridal price and we will not let our daughter go unless you also do the white wedding, which is quite expensive, especially because Zimbabwe weddings have got thousands of people. What this then did was it created a situation where 
uh, guys could not marry girls and girls could not get married to guys because of family interference and the exorbitant cost of the dowry, price for dowry, which is constantly, which is one of the reasons why some people wanted that dowry, which is what we call Lobola, I'm going to refer to as Lobola Aurora, to be abolished. The government has tried many things uh, to try and abolish Lobola. But one of the things that they did recently is that um, they, I mean, so one of the the important bits about Lobola is that because it's done as a a sort of a public thing, it's recognized as a marriage. You don't have to be married in court for that marriage to be recognized because there's so many witnesses around. Both families can attest to the fact that someone came and they officially uh, introduce themselves, whether the payment was high or low, but you know they kind of mm. give you the blessing to go. Now, mm. what we have is that our government, um, Justice and Legal Parliamentary Affairs Minister, said government has noted that some guardians were commodifying the institution of marriage and were sometimes withholding their consent until the full bride price had been paid. And they are mm. saying that the payment of the bride price will no longer be regarded as a barrier in solemnizing marriage between two consenting adults if they satisfy other requirements of the law. This is what the cabinet minister said, right? And one of the other reasons mm. why they said that this is important is because there are certain families where the guy, a guy marries a girl outside, like out of infidelity, and then they have children. This girl and this lady is not recognized at this other person's family. So when this guy maybe has an untimely passing, these children do not get an inheritance. But low-key, this guy was married to this woman, mm. right? And they also kind of deserve part of it. So by saying that you don't need to have this formal lobola to happen for us to recognize the marriage, it also gives these children the, the leeway. It also gives them the ability to to benefit of their father in terms of inheritance. So I guess that's the issue. Now, the storm came when it sounded like the government seems like it wants to abolish Nobola, which is not what it's Because of the headline. Because of the headline. What it's saying is that Nobola is not going to be, Mm. the presence or absence of Nobola is not going to be the factor in the government recognizing a marriage. It is... Two people recognize themselves. Now, this goes counter-clash with our culture. Now, I want to hear what your guys' feelings and thoughts about this were. I don't know if I explained it properly. You did. You did. Um, You did. uh, For me, Mm -hmm. it's it's great, right, for those people that are going to be, um, I don't know, that are going to benefit from the new law. However, the way people are taking it now, it seems like it's going to cause a lot of problems. Mm. You see? Because now people are thinking Lobola is now out of the way. And hey, so like so many, like I don't, I kid you not, we were having this conversation in my house today and it was a mess because my mom was like, ah, like no way are you going ever like to your husband's house without Lobola getting paid. Mm. But I actually understand the new law and I think it's great for those that are going to benefit because most of the people, most of the, like most kids were, not most kids, but some kids were like conceived out of wedlock, right? So that technically means that they really need to also get inheritance, right? So why are we depriving those people from actually getting their inheritance, which is actually good. The only problem is the way it was taken now. 
it's going to cause problems. Also, it's still in the Senate, so it might not get passed. We'll see. Mona Lisa, uh, you were very passionate about this conversation in the group, and you were talking about how the the cultural ramifications of it. So what do you think, the good, the bad, and the ugly? Okay, so can I, first things first, let me say this. Mm. Um, Legally speaking, legally speaking, it is the government has always be traditionally married by Lobolo. You could actually, even 1970, you could actually go to the courts directly and get married without the bride, without the bride price. They never ask for it. They, you don't get to court and they ask, are you guys traditionally married? Mm. So we need to That's get what, that out of the way. It's not like, yeah. Yes. No, it's, it, it wasn't like a pre-requirement of you guys getting married. The only problem that, that's seemingly there now is that People are now are thinking um, we can just go straight to court. No, Lobola is Lobola Rora is a traditional way of receiving a person into your family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there are always traditional and spiritual aspects to the whole thing. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not just my. And it's not just a cow or spiritual significance of that whole process. So I was, I was speaking to my mom, and my mom was like, I don't know why you guys are yapping about this. It has always been like this. Rora has never been a prerequisite, but grassroots level, people are going to get touched if someone doesn't bring Rora. Mm. And it's, 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 it's not just touched of emotions, it's touched because there are cultural ways and things that are accepted in a marriage because Rora was done. So, do you feel... So, am I happy that people, the government has said it? Mona Lisa, we are losing you. But then at the same time, am I not all things to be done? Mona Lisa, I'd like you to do a retake on that. I last got you when you said, are you happy that it was done? Mm -hmm. Hello? Hello? Yes. I want ah. you, I just want you to repeat that one more time. <laughs> Hello? I don't remember. I was too emotional. <laughs> okay. Okay, yes. I was just saying that. I was just saying. I was saying. I understand. I get it. I get what the government is trying to do. Okay. That mm. way, the cultural significance, and I'm kind of attached. What is making you upset about um, all this? Do you feel like, in a way, because I feel like if you totally, you can do something at the Senate level, you can do something at the law level, but I, I've, I've seen a lot of girls and guys saying that I would not want to take a girl without paying that bridal price. And lots of girls are saying, I do not want to go to a guy's family without the bridal price. Do you feel like the, the way the government is doing this kind of removes something that is cultural? Let's take away the, 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 the exorbitant fee. Do you feel like yeah. it's one of those things where it's, 
it kind of wrote this, it kind of did this thing all the way wrong. And which way do you think is a better way to go about it? Should the government start regulating a price for lower let's say you can never charge above mm-hmm. this amount? Like, how, how do you feel like the government probably should have done this? Okay, so yeah, go ahead. She said, (laughs) Oh, go ahead. I think, okay, thanks. I think, (laughs) I think to answer your question about regulating a price, I Mm -hmm. don't think you can. Like, you can't Mm -hmm. put a price, you can't put a specific price on, on, um, on, on what is meant to be a token of appreciation. Mm. Um, mm. Because I feel like what it's meant to be, like it's, it's in, in terms of the spiritualness of it, there's, there's, there's this exchange that is happening. For someone to value something, there has to be an exchange. Like, unfortunately, in this case, it's mine. But way before, back then, something would somebody will probably correct me on this but would act like a like a like a credit system english so please so he's saying that the state could act as a promissory note the stick would act, yes. as, a stick would act as a promissory note that the guy would be back. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Sorry for my uh, non-Zimbabwean uh, audience, mm-hmm. but uh, it is what it is. So what happens <laughs> wow. is that promissory note, <laughs> that promissory note would then act as a form of trade between the two so that the, the, there's an, an, an exchange needs to happen. You know what I mean? So that you value what you are going to get. To get what I'm saying. I'm not saying Kuti, it's it's a commodity-based thing. I'm saying it's a spiritual thing. That's why in churches, the act of putting, sowing a seed is seen as mm. something powerful. To get what I mean? Yeah. Because you're t- it's it's a sacrifice. You're taking something oh, and you're giving it so that you get <laughs> something back to so now the problem <laughs> this, the problem is now is there's a distortion in those values, right? That is mm-hmm. this is where all these things have come into play. So what I'm trying to say is this issue of trying to neglect that uh, this amount of money falls within the window of how much you must charge. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work because you can't value uh, what what um, the amount of years. That, that woman is going to be cooking for you, that that woman is going to bear X amount of children for you, the amount of labor hours that you're going to have, the nine months times four that she's going to be carrying your children, etc., etc., and all that other stuff, to get what I'm saying. But it's meant to yeah. be a token of appreciation. Unfortunately, that's where that distortion has happened. That is my feeling. As for, as for how they should have done it, I feel like our government is very, 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 very adept at, at, at giving us programs we don't want on ZBC. <clears throat> what they should have done is, instead of telling us of all of those other things we're not really into, 
They should have used the space that they have to educate the people about why the whole thing was installed in the first place. Give us flipping dramas about it. Give us Mighty Samba have a whole two-hour special on Rora and what is it for. Get the old chiefs in. Get the mothers. Get the fathers. Get the old people. Like I don't mean like the old uh, 60-year-olds. I mean like the real, real old madalas that, are sit, that sit under the tree and let them explain exactly what it is. Have a two-page spread in the freaking herald. Have the first page in Quayeta and explain what the heck Rora is for these millennials and Gen Zs and also our parents who seem to want to get out of debt by using Rora. Mm. Because I agree with Mona, because what is happening here, my explanation of all of this is from my own understanding of what I've yeah. seen and what I'm to get what I mean. But it, not may, it may not necessarily be necessarily be correct and traditionally correct to get what I mean, mm. especially with the spiritual aspects of it. So I agree with Mona that there has to be there has to be ways or that the that the government can can use their media to teach us about these things. Like if there's a new legislation, especially on Rora, programs that are there that are informative, you know what I mean? Come out and start talking about you know what I'm saying? Uh, Rumbi, do you feel like you would like to get married to a person without him giving some sort of uh, uh, dowry to your folks? I don't think I would be comfortable with it. Now tell me why. Um, no. Like, you know, yeah, life would be hard for you. It's not your home. So sometimes you need that um, exchange so that people really understand that now I'm your daughter, you you will treat me as one, although I'm from another family, but you will at least try and treat me like one. Yeah, at, at some point, yes, I wouldn't mind. But at the same time, you have to understand that Honestly, I'm only doing some of these things. I'm only doing it because it has now been explained to me. That whole process of me going and like someone's house, right? Which is not my home. And I am welcomed by them into their home. That needs to happen. That exchange needs to happen. That's how I feel. For example, can I say something on that before you jump in? Go. Mm. Did you know that during the process of Kugamuchiro Kremurora, um, translated the, 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 receiving, yes. the yes. receiving of the wife into the home, mm. the, there is a, a special way you do it. You get to the gate, you kneel, you're covered up, mm. and you don't stand up until you get some money. Did you know that yeah. women used to use that money to start their kitchens and their bedrooms, essentially buying the first things from that money? Now, mm. if we're taking that away, what are we doing? Don't they... Wait, Mona, don't they also use the one, like, I don't know how to explain this in English. Someone has to translate this mm. for me, right? Um, and also uh, sometimes, uh, depending on the family, Nana Tete as well. That one also is used to start, you see, your kitchen mm-hmm. as well. Sarah, sometimes. Translation. Yeah, translation, please. Because I couldn't. So during the process of, the, of 
during the process of flora, the money is actually physically put in a plate and the uh, wife-to-be has a chance um, to pick some of the money that is put in the plate along with her aunt and, um, and their other cousins. And that money is usually reserved to buying, you know, your nice honeymoon items, your nice kitchen items and all of that. But um, even my mom was telling me that even when you... Um, Oh, kutizira, guys. I don't know how to... Eloping. I, how to translate eloping. When you elope, yeah. when you elope, there is actually a way how you are supposed to elope, okay? Because there are certain key people you are supposed to go around seeing. You don't just go to Onai's house in Tuesday. You're supposed to go to his teacher's house, his auntie's house. You're supposed to go to his dad's, to his mom's and everything. So when we say rora or kutizira, it, it's an actual process of grafting a new branch mm. into mm. a new a new trunk. Mm. So it's a whole process. So even if it's 10 bucks that's been given out, it's a necessary traditional process that I feel like in as much as, as we tweet and we keyboard warrior about all of these things, everybody low-key wants that honorable, customary way of getting your wife into the homestead or being Grafted into someone else's homestead. Is this? I want to ask you guys, Musa and and Onai, would you guys, if you have daughters, would you accept, or would you not want to accept Rora? Would you guys just send your daughter, just to go? No, no. I think okay. I'll answer. I think um, I would want to. I would want a Rora, <laughs> not necessarily for this. No, for real. I would want. I would want to. I would want to Aurora, my daughter, but also after having the conversation with her in the first place. Because one, you know what I mean. Because I need to understand where she's coming from as well. But that 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 what I was saying before. That Aurora aspect enables me to understand where my future son-in-law is, where he's coming from, and it's a it's a process for me to. To be able to meet his family um, in that space, and when people don't understand, maybe maybe other negotiations are different. But with my negotiations that I when I when I went through it, it was it, it came off like a low key sort of grilling to understand where it's like some hazing, so, like, like unfriendly. Yeah. No, not, like, not exactly hazing. I wouldn't say hazing. It's sort of like to understand where I come from, also to understand the nature of my relatives, because mm-hmm. my relatives were the ones who were negotiating on my behalf. So mm-hmm. in in that negotiation, there are questions that will be fired. Okay. What 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 whatever whatever. But in those question in that questioning, the nature of the kind of family that my that that my wife is going to go into comes out. Do you get what I mean? Mm. So I, I, I'm, maybe I'm talking out of my backside. I don't know, but this that's my understanding. So I would like to use the rora as a, as a as a situation where I get to understand where my son-in-law is coming from. And like I said again, that that, ex, that exchange thing—it's very and important. And let's face it, our culture does not really support dinners with the in-laws. So mm. this is most likely one of the very few events <laughs> in 
your lives where you guys are going to meet the entire family at the same time. We don't do oh, yeah. Sunday dinners at the mother-in-laws. We don't do family reunions where both sides of the family come together. So auroras and funerals are really when people are together together. So what Musa is saying, I totally agree. This is the one time that everybody sort of gets to suss out what the other people are like. Are they rude? Are they mean? Are they kind? Are they pushovers? Is our daughter going to be safe? If she dies today, would these guys quickly just cover up her body would, if, if they murdered her? Are they capable of coming together and get away with the murder? Or the, are they pushovers? You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. it's, it's the one time, it's the one time where both families can meet and, you know, when I translate, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, let me translate it. Let me let me translate it. It says um family connections are like a cauldron. Um they get filled up with food. Yes. Yeah? Basically, yes. Yeah. No, I, I mean just to, just yeah, to add so it to what so, uh, just not, not 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 just international, but people who also don't speak in Shona. We've got we've got uh, lots of listeners in Bulawayo. They are also international. international. Okay, I'd like to say, like for me, for Lobola, I, uh, a friend of mine asked me this question and, and about what I feel about Lobola, and I said, you know what, I like. I've been at both sides of the Lobola like table. I've been the people who were paying Lobola for my brother and for my my cousin's sister. I was on the other side. What I liked about both these occasions is that there was this, the negotiations were sometimes jokey. The negotiations were sometimes tense. But at the end of the day, whether the people would say it was expensive or not, we all came together. We took pictures and we had fun and we created a bond. I like, you know, uh, you, 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 you look at fairy tales in, in, in English stories where you have to prove it to, to, to the king's daughter to see if you can, you know, if you're worthy as a worthy knight. That's how it is. I would like to do Lobola not to get money because I'm going to be rich enough not to need money, right? I would like to do it just to see, can this young man commit okay. to saving up money? Mm. Can this young man commit to mobilizing funds and, or to mobilizing gifts for him to come to me and saying, this is just my offering as a token to you? Can this young man, is the young man, I think the value is in the process and not the gift. I think, the, like, you know, we spoke about the eloping and everything. I feel like that's the inherent value of what, of what Rora is. Because no one ever finished paying it. And more times than not, no. I've seen guys, more times than not, I've seen guys going with money short and they still get the wife. You do have yeah. the extreme cases that people talk about, oh, they, the people said no. But more times than not, actually guys go with money that's not good enough and they still have fun and they still get the wife. So, and I, I, I said like, whatever <laughs> that this person gives me, I'd actually give them back at the end of it all. Like, I'd find a way to create an account for a fund for their kids. I, would, I won't touch the money. That, that's what I would do. So that this guy can never say, you guys ate my money. No, I got enough money. Like, I'll just take it all and fund it back to them either for their wedding or whatnot. So that at the end of the day, I just want to see if this young man is capable of committing. That, that's all I want. Like, we sign contracts all the time at work. We commit and say we're going to do this. Like, I just kind of feel like the traditional aspect of it is very good. And I think it's been misused uh, by, by people who want to, 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 to take over. I feel like it also gets misused when you start bringing the con- conversations about, was she a virgin? Was she not? All these things, like, blur the lines. But I think that the... the, the is she educated? Has she been to London? Does she have a six pack? Yes. All these conversations. <laughs> I talked to a couple of other people from, from different countries in Africa 
it's not as hectic as ours is. Some people told bring wine, and I think it's the Ghanaian one. You just go with the wine. I think Nigerian, you go with the wine. Not didn't look like he had so much. I'm sure some of our Ghanaian friends and Nigerian friends can correct me. So, but it didn't look as hectic as the way we do it. And I feel like we only do it because we're failing to respect the the, the importance of the processes, the importance of the we of the, want money of the son-in-law yeah. being made to feel to have to humble himself in front of this this family. The importance of of the, the daughter-in-law having to also humble herself at some point when they do the ceremonies that come forward to kind of bridge that, to create that, 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 that sort of togetherness. And I, and I really like Rora for that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny you should mention the process of it. I was reading a, a, a novel the other day and it said the engagement should be three months salary work. So whatever job you have, for three months, you should save your salary for three months. And that's the engagement thing. And I was like, oh, three months salary. So she uh-huh. said, so she, I see that, yeah. You were breaking. Mona Lisa said she read in a book that the engagement ring should be worth three months' salary. If that's in Zimbabwe, you won't even buy a ring. But we can keep it going. We can keep it. Yeah. No, there is a ring for that price. It's just not... I watched a YouTube video a couple of, I don't know if it's a couple of years or a couple of months back, but mm-hmm. it spoke about a tradition in South America where the, the prospective son-in-law goes to the, I think before the whole wedding or whatever they do, um, he goes to the parents' house, right? And then he is, he is, flogged by the mother-in-law like a thousand times or something, like a ridiculous number, just to prove that he's got the strength to take care of their daughter when hard times hit. If he can withstand a thousand lashes, then he can, he's got the ability to take care of that daughter. So um, in my questioning, that's what I'm saying, is, is, is Lobola now some people may argue, but Lobola now is is now a a process of proving that you can take care of my my daughter, my my daughter when when she's in your house. If you cannot raise X amount of money, what what more when it comes to raising money to take my daughter to the hospital or what 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 what? Some may use that as an argument. I don't know. Yeah, but we live in them, bruh. No one can take anyone to the hospital unless you're a dealer. I, 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 I don't know, Rumbi, do you, have, do you have a response to that? We we almost want to wrap up the show now. Yeah. Uh, no, not really. No, I, I just feel like that's an extreme response and I feel like it, whilst it is noble, I feel like you shouldn't be trying to raise uh, exorbitant amounts of money. The reason why there's been a pushback against Lola from both guys and girls is that it's literally restricting people from marrying each other. People just want to yeah. find love, right? So I feel Which like the, so, so I feel like what Mona Lisa said is like re-educate parents on what Lola is supposed to be, not uh, so so that we can be able to to to, to start charging prices as charging prices um, that are reasonable and acceptable, so that the process is to build. Oh, yes. I actually don't think that our parents don't know. They are just using the opportunity to just being weird. 
That's all. For me, it's no. Why so is the uncles? For me, so they is the know uncle. what is and the like the uncles. No, it's not even. Listen, like family, like families in each family, there's always that one that wants more money than the others, right? But still, they still know. Could you like? Um, they got married in what way? I, I had to go back to English. Okay, they got married in what way? What did they give the other family, or in any case, what happened during the process? Right. So they know they just are using the opportunity, just like everything in this country. Corruption is everywhere. Why not just take it to Rora as well? lyric, yeah, Oliver a lyric that Oliver one of. A while back, I think it was maybe late 80s, early 90s. But yeah. it said, in China, it said, Where will I find the an elephant's tusk or the horn of a rhino to pay for Lubola? Because that's what his father in law had charged him or something. The father in law was a soldier. <laughs> so it's, it's like that kind of stuff you know what I'm saying to be like it's been there for years um, people wanting to overcharge I think That's exactly it's what just gotten to a point where um, it's gotten to a point where it's enough is enough now you know what I mean it's just what, Mona Lisa one question to the girls do you feel like girls can make a difference in complaining about the prices that their father set do you think they need to have so, I actually had this I actually had this conversation with my father. So your father and will my dad according will. to what you want. Rumbi, do you feel like it's the same thing as well? Yeah, I actually complained Not today. Really, and now you cut me before I finish. Also, I thought exactly. you were done. Mona Lisa, keep going. <laughs> don't What's want that? anymore. You can keep yeah, your thing. Minutes, I'm trying that. to break the time. Come on. Oh, okay. So my father, we spoke to my father, and my father was like, you need to speak to your, your husband. Okay, you know us. We can't keep doing this. <laughs> I'm using I'm using I'm trying to meet you. Ah. Do you know what? Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa sounds like she's underwater. Oh my. Was my connection this bad, though? Before? It was, earlier. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Mona Lisa. Skittles? <laughs> uh, you know what? I, like I said, I actually had a conversation today about the same thing. And I like I think my mom was jokingly saying, Oh no, I want this, I want that. And I was like, ah, nah, not with me. You're going to be at least respectful for the fact that this person is working and getting probably 50 US per month. And then she was like, Oh, why would you pick someone who doesn't have money and all that? But you can talk to them beforehand and say, you know what, please guys, please charge according to the environment that we're in, are they going to listen to you? We don't know. I guess your husband is just going to have to find that at the end. That's fair. Uh, we need to kind of get to the end of the show now. Uh, Mona Lisa, I'm sorry I cut you off. You were sounding like you were underwater and <laughs> no, the listeners are going to complain. Um, 
at the end of the day, I actually don't know the solution to this. I just kind of feel like uh, the problem, the root of the problem is our, I don't know, greed for money and our parents not understanding the people that we want to marry. And the downstream problem is guys just having marriages outside wedlock. I don't feel like this is going to solve the issue though. I just kind of feel like it's better if we just can't go, went back to our roots. Um, we had this long conversation about rape culture. We had this conversation about Lobola and we're not going to go talk about anything else, but I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, Mona Lisa is going to kill me because I muted her while she was talking. Oh, sorry, Mona Lisa, I'm going to make it up to you. Um, I want you guys to have your last thoughts on everything, both the two conversations that we had. I take, I... You see? There she goes. I take apologies in chocolate. Thank you. Great, fine. We'll do that. Forever buying chocolates, man. <laughs> Imagine. Right. Um, if it's not, it's not a... Okay. Uh, Musa, tell us where people can find you and your last thoughts on everything. You can find me at Musa Winkosi on Twitter. Mopani uh, Junkie on Twitter. At Musa Winkosi on TikTok. And you can find me on Facebook. Yes. Musa's great on TikTok, by the way. He's amazing. Um... Yeah, Mona, where can people find you on Sunday at 6 p.m.? And she goes where blank. Where did she go? I don't know. Wow. All right. Uh, Skittles. <laughs> ah. She's back. Okay. Mona Lisa. Oh, my gosh. She's gone. Mona Lisa is available at Mona K. Chishato, I think, on Twitter. And she's also on Club E. I think on Sunday at 6 p.m. The show has been moved. Rumbi, where can people find you on the social media street? You can find me on Twitter at SheIsSkittles. Facebook, Ru, Madimitsira, I think, and Instagram, Ru Chantel. Okay, I'm on online, all social media platforms that make sense. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to share wow. with a friend, ask questions, respond, and all the other good stuff. I know this show was a little long, but thank you. You don't have to listen to it all at once. It can take the whole week. And thank you for everyone for joining. I love you all, and goodbye. Take care. Oh, yeah, and thank you, thank you again to Tawo and all the women doing great work and all the guys doing great work in making our environment safe. We want to keep these conversations going. So we will probably go on. We'll obviously, most likely, keep doing this. All right, guys, take care of yourselves. Love each other. Bye. And now, and now. Capital 263.